This is an SJC Radio production. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to episode 11 of season 8 of Pit Stop. Uh, today is just myself and Joe. Good evening, Joe. He is there. Good evening. <laughs> um, and we think Finn has forgotten. That's not untypical of Finn. <laughs> um, what have you been up to, Joe? Uh, not too much. I've had quite a bit of cricket on. I'm going to be playing on uh, recording this on Thursday, so I'm going to be playing on uh, Saturday. Yeah. Uh, for ride again. Um, just finished. Just come out of the exams. Oh really? And I'm actually really getting into uh, WEC, which I'm sure we'll yes. talk about later on. Yeah. And actually, what we're going to do, I've decided, probably in two weeks' time, we'll do a WEC special, um, and that'll be uh, a week before the Le Mans 24 Hours. So. Um, and I will get my brother on that. Um, so we'll Good. talk about an introduction into the work and also looking ahead at the to, to uh, yeah, I've really I've really enjoyed it. I think it's been great. Excellent. Especially since it's it's available on YouTube, so you can watch it after so it's in, in full. You obviously watched you obviously watched some of the, the spa race. I watched all of the spa race. Really? You watched all of it? Um and I've Wow. And I've gone to Portimao. I'm sort of slowly going working my way through it. What? And I'm in one hour fifty six in Portimao wow. at the minute. What did you like about the spa race? What what sort of Well certainly the oh, let me shut my window. Um certainly the uh the weather made it interesting and it's an amazing track. Yeah. As as you sort of expect both those things from spa. Uh, so there's quite a few offs, especially cold tyres. Yeah, that to really affect the Ferraris more than any other. Yeah, other I was car. saying last week or the week before to, to Finn how because of the low um, temperatures, it was only nine degrees on on race day. Um, they're not allowed tyre warmers, uh, as you saw. They it took them about two or three laps after a pit stop if they took on new tyres to get them warm. Now, now what's interesting in the states, Joe, in the IMSA series which is the the American version of the WEC, um, that they, 
uh, tire warmers are also banned there. But um, it's it's not an issue in the States because they race at hotter places. So uh, the weekend just gone, we had um, the latest IMSA race from L Laguna Seca in California. And there were no issues whatsoever with, with cars struggling to heat up tires because California is a hot place. Um, yeah. And actually on that, well, Belgium is on that subject, so that was the real, that was the big issue which came out of that spa weekend because that's a new thing this year not having tire warmers it's it's to do with sustainability um um right. what they've done so you i mean it was fairly obvious from a safety point of view obviously in low temperatures it obviously it's dangerous you saw the ferrari crash out so what they've done because we've got le mans coming up and, and le mans at night it's going to be quite cool at night and so if you combine um sort of low temperatures with with darkness that that's a potential recipe for disaster so the the so they've said for le mans for le mans only tire warmers can be used and then after that it's back to to, to no tire warmers well what about what about the racing what do you think of that i think it's great uh much better than i've been exposed to in formula one yeah. or formula e or formula two which is sort of the only other ones I've been I've been watching so far, and although at least at the minute I think it, until the other teams get a, a proper hand on their hypercars, although Toyota seem pretty inevitable to win, yeah. the racing makes up for that. I, I and it doesn't really feel like a Mercedes or a Red Bull domination feels in F one because there's racing all around it, yeah. and often you know they're racing for second, third position, and the Toyotas aren't as dominant as Mercedes no. were or Red Bull. No. I think I think you've got the situation in the WEC. My brother was talking about this um, in our previous recording. The Toyota team are so experienced; their car isn't that much faster. I mean, I, I would argue the Ferrari now is probably probably has the fastest one lap pace. But the, the Toyota mm. team—they're so well drilled. Um, you know, tactically, they're they're very astute. Um, the other teams um, are sort of playing catch up, really. Um, and you're right. I mean. So that was the fourth. That was the fourth round. They haven't all been Toyota one twos because in Portimao, um, I think one of the. Well, I've just seen. How, I'm working my way through Portimao, and the number. Hang on, let me check. Cause I'm watching it now. There was some. The number eight or number seven, I think, was retired. I, I thought it was a sensor issue. I thought it was the torque sensor issue. Um, they had to pit to replace the torque sensor. I I, I might be mistaken there, Joe. Um, Right. But you are right. I mean, although the, the Toyotas, a lot of the races have been Toyota one twos, the racing's been really good, and it, it's it, it is very competitive. Um, Le Mans, I suspect, will be a Toyota one two, but you know, other cars, I'm sure, will be up there. Um, My only complaint, yeah. about the World Endurance Championship so far, apart from it being quite confusing to start off yeah. with. Where obviously I'm not sure if one quite has the same because there's, there's not it's just one category in Formula One, yeah. but I'm sure we'll talk about this later on in another episode yeah. about the different categories. Yeah. But I want there to be more of the races, so I, I think I, I agree with you in that the 26 or however many there are in Formula One now, I think that's too much. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's as much excitement for each race. Yeah. It just seems like there's going to be a race this weekend. If there isn't one this weekend, it will definitely be one next I know, weekend. and that's the situation. It doesn't feel like you quite build up to it. Yeah. But I feel like 
I'm just having a look at it now. There's only seven rounds in a year. I know. And ideally, you'd want that. I feel like you'd maybe want about 12. Well, maybe, well, used, like that. I think that'd be quite a happy medium. There used to be a lot more, but I think it's probably it's probably down to COVID. And I think the idea is well to try and keep costs down. So I think we've got this year, we've got, is it one more round than we had last year? And I think the idea is that is that they're going to add rounds on. So as the championship is is going through a tremendous period of growth at the moment, um, so I think you'll find as it continues to grow, there'll be more rounds. But the greatest shame. Yeah, there was no Portimao last year. That's right. That was that. Right. That was the additional round. The greatest shame, I think, is there's no British round. Um, no Silverstone. I think that'd be amazing. Well, the Silverstone has always hosted a round at the WEC. I've been there many, many times. I, I just think that's. Mm, I'd love that. That's the one. That'd be great. That's, do you think that? Do you think that's on the cards? Well, we're all hoping, you know, maybe next year, or the year after, I, and that's down. That that was all. I think. I, I think that was down to COVID. I think it's maybe a hangover from COVID. I don't know, but if there was a round uh, at Silverstone, would you go, Joe? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I that, I didn't hesitate for that. You know, going back to the racing, what I like most about. The racing in the WEC and also the IMSA Championship is um, because it's a, it's a multi-class race. So you've got your um, hypercars and you've got your LMP2s. By the way, those LMP2s won't be around next year um, because they're going to be a lot more hypercars. And you've got your your GTs. I, what? So it's just going to be it's going to be GTM and hypercars. No, well, in fact, G, funny funny enough, GTEM is going as well. They've got a new GT3. Um, format so next year well because i know gt pro has gone that's gone we're, we're gonna have to do a full yeah full the gtem this. this is the last year of that it's being replaced by gt3 so next year will be hypercar and gt3 what i love about the racing is when you get which you don't obviously get in in formula one is a lot of the action a lot of the overtaking takes place when your your sort of hypercars are lapping the gts you get some incredible uh racing and it, on that subject so Laguna Seca last weekend, um, that was won by the Yellow Cadillac. Now, the Yellow Cadillac's had a terrible run of form. You saw it crash at Spa. So the Yellow Cadillac uh, took its first victory mm. uh, at Laguna Seca. But some of the racing w- w- was, in- although... So is it the same cars? The same cars. So, so, so the hypercars, they race in the... Why don't you just merge the championship? Well, well I think... If you merge the championship, then you'd end up with probably one race in the states. And they think, well, hold on, we 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 want lots of races in the states. So you understand why there's two right. championships. Um, mm. But there was there's one bit of action, Joe, and you'll find this on on, on YouTube. Where on the start finish straight, three hypercars lapped a one of the GT cars, and they went either side of this G, GT three car on the start finish straight. Whilst they're battling for the lead, I think it was the lead. Um, it doesn't get much more exciting than that. Now, um, Philip, I've got a question. Oh, yeah, one, one last one. Yeah. Sorry, one last wet question. With the removal of LMP two, yeah. does that mean our cover of into Europol? Are they what are they going to be doing? Well, are they going hypercar? Now, what, what you have? So we got the WEC. Oh, Joe, are you still there? My screen's gone back. Right. Yeah. Um, what you've got is there's another series called the ELMS, the European Le Mans series. And in the European Le Mans series, the top class are the P2s, so the LMP2s. So next year, those LMP2s 
Well, some of those teams who are running LMP2s will move up to hypercar. If they're staying in LMP2, um, they'll wait like in the ELMS. But I also think, I've just had to confirm this, I think LMP2 is being kept for Le Mans next year. I'm pretty sure that is the case. So they can do the Le Mans 24 hours, then they've got the ELMS, uh, but they can also, just to confuse you, they can also race in the States in the IMSA Championship. LMP2s will be retained in the IMSA Championship. That's Yeah, that's probably my other criticism. It's, it's quite confusing, and I feel like there needs to be more races. But yeah, that, I, really I would agree. Um, and they are, as I say, they will be probably adding some more rounds next year. The only trouble is, Joe, I thought they're going to add a round in, oh, what's the place called? In Qatar. And that, okay, it's great. It's, it's an extra round. In the sale. But it's another round in the sort of these all rich Middle Eastern countries where the circuits, as we know, are sort of bland facilities. Um, you've got to add another round. Because mm-hmm. There's no history. Add Silverstone, which has got, you know, more history than all those Middle Eastern tracks put together. Now, I was going to say, uh, we haven't got Finn. Now, knowing Finn, he's probably forgotten. Um, <laughs> that that's his tough luck. He's old enough to be able to remember now. I, I'm going to move on to talk about MotoGP okay. now. Unfortunately, now Finn did see the MotoGP, but he's not with us. I wonder whether I'll tell you what I'll do, Joe. Let me just copy the link into his Facebook Messenger. He never actually checks his Facebook Messenger. This is probably a bit of a waste of time. He might appear at some stage. Now, you wouldn't have seen the MotoGP, would you, Joe? No, I didn't. Okay. Know. Well, I mean, too busy focusing on WEC. Well, that's good. I, I'm really pleased uh, you're you're doing that. I'm going to move on back to GP, Joe. Um, so last weekend it was the the French round at Le Mans. It was the thousandth sort of MotoGP, um, and I think it was the best attended MotoGP round in history. They had 116,000 on race day, so it, it was Blimey. an incredible event. Joe, there was more drama um, in that race, in the MotoGP race on Sunday, than you would get in an entire Formula One season combined, I think. Um, so, what, what, <laughs> I'll just go through the results. Um, so, we, we have, uh, you might be aware, Joe, that um, MotoGP have a sprint race on the Saturday. That's a half distance race. And that's proved to be a, a huge success. Results there, um, first place, Jorge Martin, nobody saw that coming. Second place, uh, Binder, he's pretty good at the sprint races. Third place, Bad Naya. Uh, the main race, nobody saw this coming as well. Marco Bezecchi was first. Second was Jorge Martin, so a really good weekend for him. Third place, uh, Zarco, Frenchman on home soil, so he had been really pleased with that. I'm going to mention mm-hmm. fourth place as well. That was Fernandez in fourth, which was a, he's a rookie. So he's last year's Moto2 champion. Um, so coming, for, coming fourth was a brilliant result. Now, what I normally do, Finn and I would normally discuss um, who's the best rider and so on. So I'm going to just th- throw a few things out there. Best rider, funny enough, um, Joe, I've read the top three in, in both the races. I would say the best ride of the weekend uh, was somebody who wasn't on 
at the podium for either race. I would say that was Martin Marquez. This is Martin Marquez returning from injury. So he hasn't ridden in anger for for months. And now, hold on, he took pole position. He took pole, I'm sure he took pole position. Footnote, Bagnaya took pole position. Mark Marquez was second. Well, the, with Marquez, he doesn't come back and play himself in. He was fighting for the lead um, in both those races. And I tell you what, with Mark Marquez, if you want to overtake Mark Marquez, well, it's very, very difficult because if you happen to overtake Mark Marquez, he comes straight back at you. He makes it really, really difficult. Um, you know, that, that, that man, he is a superstar because there is never a dull moment with Mark Marquez because he's on probably the worst bike on the grid. So he has to sort of override the bike uh, in order to sort of stay competitive. Um, but there's never a dull moment with him. Um, I'll tell you what, if he if he was put on a Ducati, um, I, I think he'd probably win every race. He is an absolute superstar. Um, but the races, you know, now he's back. I mean, they were exciting before, but some of the racing in the sprint race where Martin was battling, sorry, Marquez was battling with Bagnaya and Binder. Some of those, oh, it was, just, it was just so exciting to watch. One really good thing, actually, from the weekend. So you've got this sport, which I think is the most ex exciting sport in the world, MotoGP. There's a slight concern in Jerez that the stewards were, were, were trying to, was, seemed to be ruining this amazing sport by handing out penalties to riders who took risks, who, who saw a gap and went for it, and maybe a little bit of contact, a little bit of rubbing, perhaps and the stewards are penalizing the riders for this which is utter madness because the idea of the sprint race is is to encourage more overtaking to encourage riders to take risks they're taking risks and they were being penalized in Jerez thankfully I think the stewards have come to their senses and there were no silly decisions made at Le Mans which is fantastic so going back to the awards best rider you know, obviously, you know, Martin Bezecchi, who who won both the races, would be contenders. But I would say Mark Marquez, back from injury, fighting for the lead in both races on a bike which is not fully competitive. For me, he was the best rider of the weekend. Biggest surprise. Now, you could you you could argue maybe Mark Marquez was the biggest surprise. Uh, but big, the, <laughs> there's no doubt about this. The biggest surprise was Augusto Fernandez coming fourth in the main race. And actually, I was watching Qualifying Joe, and I was kind of making notes on things that I would talk about uh, in this podcast. And I thought the biggest surprise was going to be Augusto Fernandez getting through Qualifying 1. He kicked out. In fact, he, he actually kicked. He, he knocked Quattuora out of Qualifying 2. So I thought, wow, that's got to be the biggest surprise. I didn't see him going on to finish fourth in the main race so that is an incredible result um biggest disappointment um i would argue the biggest funny enough i don't know if you're aware joe the main race itself was a bit of a crash fest the biggest incident was no. bagnaya and vinales um going through uh an s-bend that there i think Vinales overtook Bagnaia and their, their lines kind of converged. It was just a racing incident. They hit each other, went off the circuit. There was a little bit of pushing and shoving. 
Now, people might say that was probably the most exciting part of the race, but I would argue that was the biggest disappointment because Vinales, I think, had the pace to win. And of course, we will never know. So for me, that was the biggest disappointment because I think Vinales might have gone on to win. Now, Vinales, very fast driver, rider, sorry. Um, in the past, he's always had problems in the early laps. He doesn't like the sort of argy-bargy of, you know, close competition. He likes to be one of those riders who likes to get in the lead and, and disappear off into the distance. But at Le Mans, we actually saw for the first time probably ever in his career, Vinales getting involved in the argy-bargy in the opening laps, which ultimately resulted in him crashing out with uh, Banyaya. But for me, that was the biggest disappointment. What was the sort of magic moment of the race? Um, I would argue the magic moment, I think it was probably Binder's overtake of Marquez and Bagnaya when Marquez and Bagnaya were overtaking. So Bagnaya and Marquez were battling against each other and then Binder took advantage of that uh, because obviously they were slowing each other down. Uh, he took advantage of that to, to overtake the pair of them. So I, I think that perhaps was the, the, the magic moment of the weekend, but it was a brilliant event. Um, so much drama, so much close racing. MotoGP, it, it has never, ever been this good. And I don't think anybody saw the sprint race format working as well as it has. I, I, I don't know if you remember, but I was saying, before the season started, Joe, that I, 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 I don't want the sprint race because that because that might I, I felt it would take away from the main race. It hasn't at all. Mm -hmm. Added so much to the weekend because I've said this many times before: the riders can ride in a in a completely different way in the sprint race than they can in the main race because in the sprint race you can just thrash your tire; it doesn't matter. You can't do that in the main race. Uh, just moving on to the other categories: Moto Two. That was a win for T Tony Arbolino. Um, Salach was second. That was a surprise. Big moment in that race. Pedro Costa, championship leader and favourite to win, crashed out. It now means that Arbolino has, has taken over the lead of that. Um, Moto3, that was a win for uh, Daniel Holgado. He, and he that was the first... Um, French Grand Prix win for the Tech Trois team, who are a French team. So that that was really good. Right now, no, yeah. and moving on. This is going to be your bit. So for yeah, it won't be short. It won't be as long. Sorry. It doesn't matter. So let's just start off now. Of course, what's the big news today, Joe? So we're talking Thursday, the eighteenth of May. The big F one news today. You probably mentioned it. Ah. Oh, it's been called off. Yeah. Emilia Romagna Grand Prix has been called off because of the flooding. Yeah. You know, obviously I'm I didn't I'm surprised by the flooding, but I, I've been checking, you know, you know, I'm a big skier, and I've been checking the even though the, the the ski season is over, it's still snowing very heavily in the Alps. So perhaps it doesn't surprise me too much that there's quite a lot of heavy rain uh in, in the sort of lower lying mm. areas of, of Italy. Because they have got this weekend very heavy snowfall forecast for well Chavinia, which is like where i normally go skiing so if it's snowing in the alps it means it's it's raining sort of heavily i guess in other parts of italy um are you disappointed by that joe the fact that the race is cancelled 
Uh, if it was a wet race, maybe. <laughs> I know that doesn't. Miami was what? Miami was pretty well, drab. I'm sure we're going to get onto it. You know, it's interesting you say that because when I was your age, or perhaps a little bit younger, I can remember the the 1985 Belgian Grand Prix being cancelled. So I was younger than you, by the way. Uh, the, the, the 85 Belgian Grand Prix, that was cancelled because the, I think it was very warm and the track surface was breaking up. And um, yeah, they, they cancelled the race because of the track surface. I remember being very, very upset because I was really looking forward to the race on Sunday. And, you know, I did cry at the fact that it was cancelled. So it's interesting you being a big F1. Well, you're the only one. Were you mid mid thirties? What's that? I was very young, mid thirties, younger than you are now. So perfectly <laughs> excusable for a, you know a young you know lad to, to, to be upset when his favourite sport is cancelled. But what's interesting? So you're you're our big F1 fan, and you're not that bothered at all. I think that's quite interesting. Not not so much. No. Well, I'll I'll talk about Ferrari now. It's quite a good segue into it. Uh, not Ferrari, Miami. Sorry. Yeah. I'll talk about Miami now. It's quite a good uh, way into it. Um, qualifying was the most interesting part for me, uh, and I'm the sort of person who records qualifying and then skips to the last yeah. two minutes or so of Q1. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the big surprise there was uh, that in Q3, Charles Leclerc crashed and finished Q3 early. Yeah. And meant Verstappen did not get a chance to set a, uh, a, a final sort of flying lap. Right. It meant he started from P8. But because it's Max Verstappen, because it's a Red Bull, um, he won the race still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so not to take away from obviously how skilled the driver is, you know, but it, it's not very exciting to watch, no. I don't think. I was. So it's becoming a bit monotonous. Perez didn't put up too much of a fight. No. I don't know. I just felt that. It could have been more of an interesting race. Uh, and Charles Leclerc was really struggling all weekend, mm-hmm. sort of fighting with Kevin Magnussen for about P8. Yeah. So he was way down there. Course, that um, was one of the surprises. Apart from that, it, it wasn't too much going on. You mentioned Kevin Magnussen. He qualified very high up, didn't he? Or was that because of the Leclerc crashing in Q3? Yeah, right, because of the crash, that. and it meant that no one could set a oh, final lap. Right, um, that explains that then. And... and and I think the new, I'm not sure if you remember the Hambot Ver joke, is the idea that Hamilton would always win, Bottas always second, yeah. Verstappen third. Yeah. And it seems like the Verstappen Perez Alonso yeah. is becoming the new version of that. Because yeah. that was the uh, the podium for this race. It was, wasn't it? But other than that, um, I look forward to the next wet race. Well, I'm really <laughs> pleased to hear that. I think Formula One might be losing. Yeah, that, so... and I think wet might be gaining one by the sounds of it, Joe. I watched. Yeah, definitely. I think if there were um, were there to be a championship round in Silverstone yeah. sort of next year, maybe the year after that, I'd be very interested in going. More interested in going than a Formula 1 yeah, race. Yeah, yeah. I watched, going back to Miami, I stupidly watched the six-minute highlights on YouTube. Having not watched one second of Baku, I, I watched six, the six-minute highlights. I wish I hadn't, actually, because... A couple of things about Miami. I quite like the layout of the track. There's lots of fast sweepers, which I quite like. But it's a street circuit, Mm. isn't it? But it's a street circuit without any buildings. Normally, It's around the Miami Dolphins Stadium. Is it one of these hybrid circuits where 
part, parts of the track are purpose built racetrack and other parts are bits of car park and there's not many roads in the layout i think i'm right in saying that i think i think it's all car park and maybe a few roads yeah it's built around the miami dolphins yeah. nfl franchise stadium yeah so it's basically a circle around that. yeah i just um so i think it's mainly car park. i just prefer street circuits where they're actually racing on streets and you've got buildings next to the race like baku yeah exactly like, like monica like 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 baku and i'm not saying mm. i'm not saying that I want to see crashes, but the beauty of a street race is that if a driver makes a, an error, he's going to be off into, you know, he's going to crash into a guardrail. Um, so street races tend to punish mistakes a bit more. But in the race, there were no retirements, were there? There were no street race sort of incidents where, you know, if you make a mistake at um the swimming pool section in monaco bang you 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 you're in a guardrail you're out of the race but miami you make a mistake and it doesn't really matter so it's 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 a street i don't think it's particularly conducive to overtake no. really and the thing i'm a bit fed up with now having contact at WEC is it's so drs dependent i know i know and just comparing it to the MotoGP, what I noticed when I watched the highlights is, yeah, all the overtakes are DRS, all of them. And as a result of that, the car being overtaken tends to be very passive because if a car behind you's got DRS, there's nothing that you can do to keep that car back. Um, and also there's the other element of that, that the car overtaking you might be on a different strategy so it might be that the the, the driver's been told by you know um his engineer don't don't put up a fight with with verstappen because actually we're, we're fighting the guy who's 10 places behind you because we're on the same strategy as them you compare that to MotoGP. if you try and over i've said this before you try and overtake mark Mar marquez mark marquez won't think well actually you're on a ducati your bike's much faster than me. I'll just let you go by. He won't do that. You know, he will fight tooth and nail. In Formula One, because of DRS, because of different strategies, there's no fighting, is there? I mean, you mentioned when um, Verstappen overtook Perez. It was like, there we go. It was almost as if he was letting him through. There was no fight there was also at all. Funny move, funny moment where per, uh, Gasly actually, Pierre Gasly, was letting Verstappen through and put up no fight and ended up losing a position behind Verstappen. Yeah. This. So that's what you get when you don't fight. I know. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's Formula One. Anyway, I'm, I'm a WEC. I'm a, Good. I'm a WEC man now. I mean, for so now on, Joe, got to worry about. Formula One will always be demoted to the end of our show. Um, always... It used to be. Do you remember when we first started? Yeah. It was basically the only thing we talked yeah. about. You know, you know what I've realised as well? I've realised the importance of that Netflix series, Drive to Survive. That is very, very important for Formula One. Because critical, yeah. I think without Drive to Survive, I don't think anybody... No, that's an exaggeration. I, I think Formula One would not have the viewership 
that it currently does. Now, in fact, the attendance at Miami was was very good. Um, I think that Miami Grand Prix has become a, a big event, hasn't it? Where 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 the celebs like to go and so on. But they're saying in the states, the TV uh, viewing figures they were well down, and th that's no great surprise, is it? These fans they all watch Drive to Survive, so they love the sport, um, and I think that's what's sort of holding up the interest in the states. But I think a lot of those fans who've been drawn into it through Drive to Survive. I think they're probably already starting to leave the sport. They 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 they, they won't they won't stay with Formula One for more than another couple of years. I don't think. And of course, the domination we're seeing now, I think that will speed that sort of that process up of people drifting away from the sport. Now, Moto, mm -hmm. MotoGP does not need its own drive to survive. It doesn't need it because the drama is all there. When you've got so much drama on track. Um, you don't need to add to it. In, in Formula One, there's no drama on the track whatsoever. So you do need this. This and, and, and Joe, am I right in saying that a lot of the drama inverted commas in Drive to Survive is is sort of largely manufactured, a bit like if you're watching Made in Chelsea. Bits of it are true. I think yeah. I think I think some of it is definitely. I think there's there's obviously drama going on, and especially. I think I haven't watched it in maybe a year or two years. But when I watched it, there definitely was drama, but often it was escalated to a point where it clearly it was never that case. It was never that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. Because I know Max Verstappen was very critical of it, wasn't he? Um, uh, mm. And I think he felt that uh, the makers of that series were, were trying to create sort of um, rivalries that didn't actually really exist. Or they were trying to create drama between, right, yeah. between drivers that didn't really exist. Now, going back to the cancellation of the Grand Prix, I was listening to Nick Damon on Midweek Motorsport yesterday evening. And he was saying that, OK, we've lost a race, but they're still we, we've got Monaco next weekend. Then you've got Barcelona the weekend after that. So actually missing out on a Grand Prix, I think doesn't matter that much but he's saying some of the teams would be a little bit cheesed off by it because quite a few of them have made upgrades and they wanted to see how those upgrades uh whether those upgrades um are effective and imola is a typical sort of european track so it would have been really good for the teams who made those upgrades to see how effective they were monaco won't tell them anything monaco is about mechanical grip not about um, aero so I think the teams would have been a bit fed up about that also what's interesting here Joe <laughs> is that they were apparently for the Grand for the for, for this Grand Prix they're going to do another trial and this is a, a new qualifying idea for, for for this race where where the idea was in Q1 Joe they were going to use the hard tire Q2, you had to use the medium tyre, and in Q3, you'd have to use the soft tyre. They were going to do that at the Grand Prix this weekend as a trial. Um, I think that's quite a good idea, actually. Um, so it's a shame that's been scrapped, but they are going to trial that procedure, qualifying procedure, I think, later in the year. When I heard that, 
Whereabouts do you know? I don't no, I don't actually. When I heard that, my immediate reaction was I thought they were doing that in the sprint race qualifying. But I double checked that today and and they're not in the sprint race qualifying. They have to use a new set of mediums in Q1 or Q2, and they have to use a new pair of softs in Q3. Um, so that trial, right. which obviously isn't going to take place, um, that that's a new idea. Nick Damon went. He came up, I thought, with a really with a really good suggestion. Uh, he said one way to improve the racing, one way to improve the racing in Formula One is to actually say to them, right during the race, you've got to use um, the soft, the medium, and the hard during the race. That would really mix things up. Because I suppose so, yeah. the car, you, you know, your, your car might be very good on softs, it might be very good on mediums, and it might not be so good on hards. I think what we've got here, Yeah, maybe. Although I think you'll still get the pace difference. Well, you would, but you'd have some people starting on softs, some people starting on hards. So you'd get cars going at different speeds at different stages of the race which would mix things up a bit i think what we've got here is a sport in crisis because if a sport isn't working then people are, people come up with ideas to try and make it better and if you look at qualifying all these new ideas about putting on softs medium hards and what have you to me this is a sporting crisis because it is a brilliantly packaged sport but the product is terrible. I mean, you know, I used to be, myself and my brother were big Formula One fans. We don't watch Formula One at all. I will not be watching any of Monaco. I'll be what nor will I be watching any of Barcelona. I will watch none of it, not one second, because I have no interest in it whatsoever. I'd rather watch golf. I don't find golf very exciting, but I'd rather watch golf than watch Formula One. And I'm a big motorsport fan. That says there's something seriously wrong with Formula One. And here you are. Go back a year, Joe. Big F1 fan. Yeah. You're thinking, hold on. Mm -hmm. I think I like the whack a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, it's an issue. Although it may not be a sporting crisis. It may just be a, a good crisis, if you see what I mean, in that it's expanding quick, too quickly to a point where it, does, it feels it needs to diversify and satisfy all these this, this huge increase in demand. I think... So I, I, what. I personally think they're go, they're losing motorsport fans and they're gaining drive to survive fans. You are, but that's not a dig because yeah. I think through drive to survive you'll probably make motorsport fans. So I think you're one hundred percent correct. Sort of that, Joe. I think you're one hundred percent correct. The, 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 the your your true motorsport fan is is moving away, and you're right. The the, the drive to survive is bringing in new fans, and you're saying that those fans. It'll bring them into motorsport, but you're saying that they'll drift away from Formula One when they discover things like the WEC or MotoGP. I think I think it will take them maybe a year and a half, yeah. perhaps two years, yeah. and then I think they'll realise that there are other options that are maybe more thoroughbred racing. I think the problem with Formula One, because it's the pinnacle of motorsport, and all the chassis are different, all the teams you know have different cars, which which, which is fantastic. The problem with that, you're always going to have uh, a team who does a better job than all the other teams. Um, and that's always been the case in Formula One. If I go back to 
you know, 1984, the, McLa the McLarens were dominant. We go back to the 86, 87, Williams were dominant. 88, McLaren were, they won all the races bar one in 88. If we go to 98, McLaren were, were dominant. But I think the dominance we're seeing now, I don't think we've seen dominance like this before. And Nick Damon is of the opinion, and I'm of the opinion as well, is that Red Bull will win every race. Monaco is the only race they might not win because if they mess up, if Verstappen messes up qualifying, you can't come through the you can't come through the grid at, at Monaco, whereas you you can on, on, on all the other circuits. Um, but when you got mm, maybe. So the the other series, to so take the WEC, the WEC is what we call a balance of performance series whereby it's not really possible for one team to have a massive advantage over the others. If you look at IndyCar, that's a, a spec series. They've all got the same chassis. So it's great that Formula One, all the cars are different, but when all the cars are different, you're always going to have the danger that, 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 that one team does a better job than all the others and you end up with domination. Um, so I think that's the issue with with a formula like Formula One. Now, Joe, moving on to predictions. Now you weren't you weren't here last week. You were playing cricket, so we never got your predictions for the F1. Going to go with our MotoGP predictions, which we all did. And <laughs> this goes to show Joe how unpredictable MotoGP is because we all scored nil point for MotoGP. No yeah, way, really. And what's interesting, because I, I watched the, the Crash.net podcast, Harry Benjamin and co, and that they, they do what we do, the predictions for each race, and they were the same as us. I think only one of them got one of the riders on the podium. That was Zarco. I think Keith Hewan had Zarco uh, down for a podium. But but the, but otherwise, they, they didn't get any of the, uh, any of the podium finishes. That's how unpredictable MotoGP is. Now, when it comes to the Formula One predictions, Joe, this was just myself and Finn. So Finn got 45 points. He had um, Alonso. We had all three of them in the top three, but not in the right order. Um, I got the full house. I got Verstappen to win, Perez second, Alonso third, 75 points. So there we go. So... Formula One, I got, I predicted the, the podium, the exact podium. MotoGP, and I'm a MotoGP super fan, I got nothing for that. Which means the overall, the leaderboard, uh, I'm way out in front here, Joe. I've got 300 points. Finn's in second with 165. You're in third with 120. Um you had a slight disadvantage because we didn't get your F1 predictions from last week. So, so that's where you lost out. Also, I've been trying to throw it out there. I've been trying to do different predictions. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, well, I'll tell you what, we'll in all goes. fairness, um, with MotoGP, you can just, you can throw it out as much as you like, because, you know, I, I thought everybody was convinced that Miller was going to win uh, the MotoGP. He was dominant in the practice sessions, he had the race pace. You and I had him down to win. Um, unfortunately, he, I think he crashed in the sprint race and in the main race, I think he had sort of tyre issues. Um, but it just goes to show how unpredictable 
um, MotoGP is. Now, Joe, we're not going to meet up next week because, well, when I say there's nothing on this weekend, there is actually, Joe, a race that you might be interested in. It's the Nürburgring 24 Hours. That's a 24-hour, when I say sports car race, it's for GT3 cars around the Nordschleife. It's a massive event, Joe, and that will be on YouTube. So I will be tuning into that. It's a huge event. I mean, it is the biggest GT3 race in the world around the best racetrack in the world. So that is an amazing event. But besides that, there really isn't much on this weekend. And then we've got a few uh, uh, got a few Grand Prix. We're not going to do what we won't be doing for now on, Joe. If there's a Formula One Grand Prix and only a Formula One Grand Prix on a weekend, we won't do a show after that. But we'll do shows after MotoGPs and obviously the wet grounds as well. So I think what we'll do, Joe, we won't meet up next week, but I think we'll meet up the week after that in order to do a WEC um special a WEC special and also Le Mans preview. Uh and my we'll get my brother on that because he's going to Le Mans this year. So Right. We'll Sounds like a plan. Break for two weeks then. and we'll meet up in two weeks' time. And yeah, talk about all things WEC. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. 
There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the About page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started so head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well